The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning. It's Monday, the 29th of January in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today... Joe Biden vows retaliation for the killing of three American soldiers in Jordan, putting the US on a possible collision course with Iran. The world's most indebted property developer, Evergrande, is ordered into liquidation by a Hong Kong court. And Ursula von der Leyen's EU stewardship comes into question. We have a special report on the brewing leadership fight at the heart of the European Union. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. The risk of a direct confrontation between the United States and Iran is growing after three American soldiers were killed by Iran-backed militants in Jordan. The servicemen died in a drone attack that also wounded 25 others near the Syrian border. In a statement, President Joe Biden said the US would retaliate. Our Middle East Economics and Government Editor Paul Wallace says political pressure in the US to take action is already mounting. If you look at some hawkish members of Congress, they want something very firm. For example, Lindsey Graham, the Republican, he has said that the US has to attack Iran directly. Now, that may not happen. Iran has plenty of assets and commanders in Iraq and in Syria, and the US may decide to go after them. Uh, it may see that as a slightly less escalatory step than uh, attacking Iran itself. But certainly, I think all eyes will be on what the US does this week in reaction to these attacks, uh, and then after that, what Iran says and, and does in response to that. As Bloomberg's Paul Wallace, US bases in Iraq and Syria have come under fire multiple times from Iran-supported groups since the Israel-Hamas war erupted in October. A source familiar with the US position has told Bloomberg that these latest deaths of American soldiers will force a stronger response than what the US has done so far. Turning now to other news in the Middle East, the New York Times is reporting that talks on a new ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war are inching closer to a deal. This is NBC, says the Biden administration may slow or pause deliveries of some weapons to Israel to pressure the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to scale back military operations in Gaza. CAI Director William Burns is set to join talks in the coming days, seeking a deal that US and regional officials say would be part of a ceasefire of at least two months. The Chinese property giant Evergrande is heading for liquidation. The Hong Kong High Court has ordered the trouble firm be wound up to deal with its massive debts. Bloomberg's Loretta Chen says attempts to restructure Evergrande's debt didn't work. We're talking about a company that has over $300 billion in debt, and the bulk of that is in mainland China onshore, whereas the offshore creditors holds about $20 billion uh, of dollars of debt, and that they were looking to restructure, but that restructure plan eventually fell apart. Uh, and Evergrande right now has offshore assets, such as uh, listed companies of the China Evergrande unit. It has an EV unit. 
Loretta Chen, Bloomberg's loans and bonds reporter there. Judge Linda Chan says the ruling will result in new management at the home builder alongside addressing other issues. A further hearing this afternoon is expected to determine if the court will regulate the liquidation process. The UK government has asked city firms to submit proposals for a potential retail offering of NatWest shares. The respective advisors must send their bids by late February, with the Treasury hoping to issue an update alongside the budget on the 6th of March. Economic Secretary to the Treasury, Bim Afalami, told Bloomberg last week of the government's hopes for the sale. We announced at the autumn statement that NatWest share sale to retail offer to the public, that is going to happen this year. Um, The prospects for that are looking good. The prospects more broadly for IPOs are looking good. And so if you're somebody watching this who's thinking about listing, go ahead, come and speak to the Treasury, come and speak to us. That's the City Minister Bim Afalami speaking to Bloomberg. People familiar with the matter say a discounted retail offer to the public is likely, alongside an offer to institutional investors. The plans are part of the government's wider effort to attract more funds to UK shares and boost growth. Almost one in five UK listed companies put out a profit warning last year. That's more than during the financial crisis. The data from EY Parthenon suggests businesses are in distress after dealing with the highest interest rates in 15 years. Bloomberg's James Wilcock has more. Higher borrowing costs, steeper prices and delayed decisions coming home to roost. Those are the three main reasons making British companies worry about their profits. Hiring data has also fallen by the most in three years last month, which some experts say points to firms holding back due to economic uncertainty. It's all a sign that the Bank of England is slamming on the economic brakes and that's having a major effect, but not without an impact on growth. In London, James Wilcock, Bloomberg Radio. And homes in London are at their most affordable level in a decade. That's according to data from the property portal Zuplo, which sees houses in the capital costing 13 times the annual earnings of an average worker in the UK. That's down from over 15 times in 2016. Zuplo is also pointing to an increase in sales agreed at the start of this year. The CEO of Property Mark, Nathan Emerson, says it's not just London seeing a boost to demand. Yorkshire and Humber, for example, you're looking at a sort of 19% increases in activity there. And you're also looking at the West Midlands, um, you know, that's currently sitting at around about 17% increase. So very positive signs from that. Emerson notes that London is still far more expensive than any other part of the UK. He predicts that buying activity UK-wide will start to follow London upward as interest rates fall. Well, coming up in a moment, we will get more on the latest events in the Middle East and the pressure on the US president to respond uh, to the weekend's attacks. We'll also be looking at the leadership battle ahead in the European Union as we look towards the European elections in June of this year. But another story that caught my eye uh, this morning from Germany and 45 companies joining a trial of the four-day week. So the six-month programme starting on the 1st of February will give hundreds of employers uh, hundreds of employees rather uh, an extra day off every week while keeping them on full pay it's aiming to find out if unions are right that they could leave staff healthier and happier but also more productive now it's happening at a time in Germany too where there is a, a continued lack of skilled workers that's putting pressure on companies who are trying to hire so that shortage coupled with high inflation has emboldened employees across industries to seek wage increases in fact half of German companies are at least partly unable 
able to fill the vacancies that they're trying to. Germany is also facing a demographic issue. More than 7 million people are set to leave the German workforce by 2035. So all of that combining to, to, to this tr- expansion of a trial of the four-day week to these 45 companies. Uh, Germany is the country that has one of the highest proportions of part-time workers in the EU. The hope is that perhaps the four-day week might be able to attract more people into the labour force um, and perhaps solve some of those issues of tightness in the labour market as well. So that trial, the six-month pilot, beginning um, on the 1st of February. Well, let's go to our top story now and the events in the Middle East and the pressure on Joe Biden to respond to the attack which left three American soldiers dead in Jordan at the weekend, an attack being blamed on Iran-backed militants. Our Middle East economics and government editor Paul Wallace has more for us this morning. Paul, first of all, what exactly do we know about the details of this attack? Hi, Stephen. So these attacks happened uh, over the weekend, sort of, we think, late uh, Saturday. It was a big, aggressive drone attack on a U.S. base in the northeast of Jordan called Tower 22. Um, it's it, it's slightly smaller than some of uh, some of the U.S.'s main bases in the region. This is more like a garrison. Um, but non- nonetheless, these drones seem to have hit the living quarters. They killed three U.S. soldiers and injured dozens more, at least 34, according to the Pentagon. This is the base is, is right on the border with uh, Syria and Iraq, um, so it's close to where a lot of Iranian-backed proxy groups operate in, in those two countries, Iraq uh, and Syria. Biden Biden has vowed a response, and I think that's something that global markets will be watching very closely in the next week or so. These are the first deaths uh, from an attack, a U.S. death in the region from an attack since the um, Israel-Hamas war started and roiled the region. So it is a pretty major development. What could the response from the U.S. look like? As you say, this is a significant escalation for the U.S. with these first, first American deaths. It, it, it is. And if you look at some of the, let's say, the the hawks uh, in Washington, I'll take Lindsey Graham, the Republican senator, as an example. He has said that Biden must uh, attack targets inside Iran. So he's saying not just um, Iranian proxies in Iraq or, or Syria or, or places like that, but actually inside Iran. That would be uh, a serious, serious development that um, I think would uh, could potentially be very, very uh, bullish for for energy markets, um, especially oil. Biden has other options aside from that. He may opt to hit uh, Iranian targets if if you know that's the route he goes. Um, but outside the country, so Iraq uh, and Syria would be the obvious examples. I suppose it depends partly on which group the Americans decide carried out these attacks. Um, there was a claim yesterday from an Iraqi-based group that's backed by Iran. Um, it said that it attacked U.S. bases over the weekend. It didn't specifically say that it attacked this one in Jordan, so we still don't know. But no doubt the Americans, they either already know or they're working that out now and that may determine where they strike and, and how hard. What would this escalation of, of Iran-US tensions mean for efforts to broker a ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war? At the moment, the US and the UK and its allies are trying to separate what's going on in Gaza with these other uh, conflicts around the Middle East, whether it's the Houthi ship attacks in the Red Sea or these strikes on, on uh, US bases in you know Iraq and Syria and, and now Jordan. Um, obviously, they're all linked and they're very, you know, what's going on outside Gaza is very much 
a consequence of that war and the 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 um the tensions being inflamed by it in in the region however i think the us very much wants to deal with these separately so there's no suggestion so far that um, Israel Hamas hostage talks are going to be derailed by by what's going on. But it is possible, of course, because at the center of all this is Iran. And if Iran wanted to gupper those hostage talks, uh, it could presumably do that via Hamas. Uh, there's no suggestion, mm. again, that it will do that, but it, it has the ability to. Okay. Paul Wallace, our Middle East Economics and Government Editor, thank you very much. Next, to a story from the top levels of the European Union of the future of Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. She's expected to seek a second term ahead of elections in June, but the achievements of her first term haven't come without controversy. Bloomberg's Jorge Valero has been writing about this and he joins us from Brussels this morning. Good morning to you, Jorge. Was Ursula von der Leyen, first of all, a good Commission President? I think we can stay in short, Jess, uh, with uh, nuances, of course, and this is the same conclusion that uh, you reach when you talk to... Uh, analysts, diplomats, and, and people in the European Parliament. Um, of course, she had a very difficult mandate because of the COVID crisis, war in Ukraine, energy crisis, but uh, she's been a strong president of the Commission that broke the, the, the block forward. Of course, she's been also controversial, as you said, because her style, her management style in the Commission didn't make uh, everybody happy because she centralized a lot of power. Jorge, you've been looking at in this story, though, some of the dilemmas that the facing the EU that Ursula von der Leyen could be looking at in a possible second mandate. What are the big issues that the next Commission president needs to be worried about? We can summarise it in uh, two big uh, squeeze. Uh, I will call it like that. Uh, one is this fight between the two big titans, uh, the, the US and, and China, and how the EU is trying to forge its own um, uh, stand and, and with this, uh, the risking strategy. And the other one is a difficult compromise between the Green Deal that the EU is championing with comp- the comp- competitiveness of its economy and the fact that the EU lacks uh, many of the critical minerals and energy sources for for this uh, to remain a competitive economy and how this uh, Green Deal push and how the fact that the EU might need to centralize more competences in the future if it wants to remain strong is at the same time uh, fueling the, the, the rise of uh, far right in many corners of, of the EU. What could a second Ursula von der Leyen commission look like given the experience that we've had of the past five years? The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, for sure. I mean, the past five years, uh, uh, it's been uh, one of the most uh, difficult mandates and periods in, in the EU history. And, and we've seen a lot, uh, as you know, well, over the past uh, decades with the Eurozone crisis, migration, Brexit, so on and so forth. But the, the past five years have been especially difficult. But the, 
the following one, the following Monday, can be even worse because on top of the war in, uh, against Ukraine, uh, the Gaza crisis, um, a possible return of uh, Trump and, and a more assertive China, the Commission will face a, a very difficult uh, situation with uh, practically no budget, difficulties to, to compl uh, complete the implementation of the recovery fund, the COVID recovery fund, with the pushback against the Green Day legislation, and also with a parliament that very likely will see more uh, fragmentation and uh, the rise of, of far right among its uh, its uh, members of of the of the parliament. So yeah, yeah it's, gonna be, it's gonna be complicated. Indeed, and of course the composition of the European Parliament after June's election is going to be very important in that development too. For now, Jorge Valero, thank you very much. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.